Hi, my name is Rutendo Nyamuda and welcome to another phenomenal above and beyond episode of In My Twenties. In my twenties. First of all, I want to say thank you so much to iTunes for verifying our account. So now our podcast can be officially found on iTunes. Shout out to iTunes fam as well. Um, so after listening to this episode, I have no doubt that your conversations with people will be a little bit more enlightened. And people will say to you, Sha, you know what? You're so smart. You must be an intellectual. And you will respond, yes, yes, I am indeed. But I also listen to In My Twenties. So let's get straight into today's episode with our journalist and editor guest. And here she is. Hi, I'm Mpo Raburife. I am a journalist currently working as a news editor uh, at News24. I I like to run. I'm a very active person. I like to hike as well. I read a lot about global politics, but I also love to binge watch series on Netflix. I think I'm a sleepaholic. Now, in every episode, our guests always come through with the pots and they bring us some incredible gem or aha moments. And this is just one of them. But I'm slowly letting go of working to be the acceptable version or the polite version of what society would like me to be. And I'm working towards feeding my soul. The In My Twenties podcast is split up into three sections. In the first section, we get to hear a little bit about Mpo's career journey. In the second section, we dive into today's topic, which is all about journalism in the age of fake news. And then rounding up all three sections with the beautiful roundhouse kick, jab, jab, up across punch, is conversations with Mpo about being in her twenties. So without further delay, let's get straight into it. Nowadays, everyone is calling themselves a journalist, whether you are a citizen journalist, out on the streets with Twitter, or just, you know, sitting at home and you want to stir the pot, mm. everyone is a journalist. But tell us a bit about your career journey and how exactly you've become a journalist. For me, the journalist bug bit when I was in primary school slash high school. So my sister, my older sister, was a photographer for a newspaper called The Sowetan. And so sometimes after school, she would pick me up from school and then take me to her work where she finishes off her shift. So I used to spend a lot of time in the newsroom Mm -hmm. and I'd be observing the buzz because, you know, with the daily newspaper, um, stories get rounded up around four, then the paper goes for print and... It was always nice to see the rush, mm-hmm. the journalists coming in to file their stories, the photographers going out for a breaking story to get the picture, the graphic people putting it together, seeing the wall, seeing what's cut out, what's put in. And I've always been a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I've grown up around books because my mother was a teacher. So I went to Rhodes University, studied journalism, finished the degree, majored in that and philosophy. Mm-hmm. Did my honours at Wits because I felt like I didn't yet have the edge, even mm-hmm. though that sounds very corny, but I'm being honest. Um, so. And after my journey at Wits, I got an internship at Forbes. It was my first job ever. 
and it was lovely working what a, for what a, a magazine. Start, hey? What a start, hey? My first, my first uh, <laughs> career as a journalist was at <laughs> Africa, if you know what I mean. You know, it sounds very casual. I was fortunate. Casual. I was fortunate <laughs> that he was, you know, they found <clears throat> us impressive mm. enough to take us on. But yeah, after Forbes, I I was um, torn because mm-hmm. it, it's a magazine and it's a monthly. And so anyone who works in the magazine industry knows that you work two, three months ahead of things. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I was missing out on the hard news, breaking news education. Mm-hmm. And I needed to make that my foundation before... I would have preferred to finish off at Forbes in my journalism career rather than start at a niche place. Mm-hmm. And so I took myself out of there and I approached a, um, a news agency and I sent them my CV and I was like, if you ever need someone, mm-hmm. please consider me. I'm young, I'm curious, I'm eager to learn. Mm-hmm. And they responded. <laughs> I went for an interview, got <laughs> the job, and then I was in the place I wanted to be. It was the best, the best, most foundation foundation building environment I could be. And I ended up at News24, where I am now. So I got there as a journalist, but now mm. I'm a news editor. Hey. Um, and it's exciting. Mm. I mean, working for the biggest site on the continent is no, it's no easy task. Mm-hmm. Um, every decision that you make, the ch- stories that you choose to focus on, the cho- stories mm. that you choose to staff people for, mm. um, Millions of people are going to read them. Mm -hmm. So you always have to have that in the back of your mind. Is this a story that's got national interest? Mm. For me, journalism is about... The core of it is informing the masses, educating people about what you think is important for them Mm -hmm. to know so that they're empowered to make decisions, but also to know their surroundings and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that determine how I contribute to the decision making around the stories that you choose to give prominence to or give a platform to in this day and age of fake news of Uh citizen journalism of again people just taking out their cell phones and contributing to stories where does you mentioned hardcore journalism Hmm. where does hardcore authentic journalism fit in because I think what people don't understand is you study to be a journalist. Yeah. There are journalism practices that you need to follow in order to be a journalist yeah. to report on a story objectively. Mm. It's not a thing of like anyone can do it. Not everyone can do it properly. Exactly. Where does journalism fit in? So I think first and foremost, foremost communication is a skill that we all have mm. and need to you need to 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 know the weight of it mm. so anything you say to a person whether you're speaking face to face or sending a text message or sending a tweet you need to think about the impact it's going to have on the person receiving it it's very important for a population to educate themselves but i also feel that prominent figures like politicians play a huge role i mean Donald Trump calling CNN fake news is a big deal mm. because CNN is not a fake news site. Mm. It's and not how, a, how serious is that really? Like, does, yeah. do those things really affect the average viewer for them going? It does. It does because you have to remember our 
population. So we've got 56 million South Africans. Mm -hmm. If you look at censuses, the house of the households that have books mm. in their homes, the households that have people who have passed matric in yeah. their homes, the households that have graduates in their homes. Those are the things that you need to look at because how else will I know what a credible news site is and mm -hmm. where a go-to place is if I've never grown up in that culture mm -hmm. of consuming news. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people get their news information from social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook. Twitter and Facebook is very, is very good at um, s circulating threads. Yeah, Threads can always seem like news. Mm -hmm. If it's read by enough people, okay. it can be believed. Videos that circulate about violence on a farm mm -hmm. um, that's not verified about the year, the venue, mm -hmm. and the context can easily spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. So um, things that circulate on social media that aren't verified and prominent figures like the advocate Barry Rue account that, are, that seem to come up with um, content that's you can only access with a certain kind of privilege that journalists sometimes have because we have that access to spokespeople and departments and we can ask for things and they can give it to us because it's our duty to get those things. Yeah. It can easily be confused as journalism mm. or citizen journalism, mm. but it's actually working against what we're trying to do because it can incite a lot of mm. people and okay. can turn very sensitive situations into volatile situations. Yes. Um, there's a lot of laws that we as journalists have to follow. Like mm. Things like circulating pictures of children under 18. Yes, yeah. Who don't have permission. Completely. Circulating completely. people without their permission. Yeah. Um, let's say someone got in a fight in the supermarket yeah. and they're calling someone with a K-word and then they break out. And you're recording it on your phone put on social media, one prominent person, like let's say a Dumisole, mm -hmm. sees it pro and retweets it. You're breaking so many laws that we as journalists are not allowed to because we yes. get taken to the ombudsman. Yes. But as a citizen, you you're getting away with it. Is there a story that you've written mm -hmm. or something that you've covered that you were like, this is the reason I became a journalist. This is it. Um, I think the day that um, Amku had a, a press briefing about the shootings that happened at Marigana, and I was still working at a, at Forbes magazine at the time, and I, I went back to the office after Joseph, Joseph Matun just broke down at the press conference after they died, and he was explaining how he had asked them to leave the copy because the... Manning bosses weren't, um, were too arrogant and they weren't listening to their demands. And I couldn't write a deep enough story to explain the gravity of that strike and what it meant for South Africa labor relations and what it meant for the working class black South African because mm -hmm. the place I was working was a... It's a continent, um, cont the, 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 the audience is continental, so mm. it's not South African, strictly for South Africans. Yeah. So you always have to remember yeah. that you have to give them a taste without boring them. Yes. You have to 
be concise, mm-hmm. not go too deep so that they lose interest. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think I did the story as much justice as the hard news and broadcasters um, platforms had done. And it made me feel so down that what it made me ask myself what my contribution was to that story. Mm. It was such a big deal in our history. It'll, no one will forget Marikana. Mm. Anybody ask, just say the word and everybody knows yeah. what it was about. And this, and in the century, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. so things like that. Um, there are many. There's a boy um, who messaged News24 when I was still new there. He had just passed matric. He's from Zanin, like a, a small area outside Zanin in Limpopo. And he had passed with flying colors. And he sent us a letter telling us his mother was, um, I think she, he had three siblings. His mother didn't work. She sold like fruits and snacks on the side. He'd passed well and he was hoping that we could help him. I managed to get hold of him. He sent me his cell phone number and I called him, wrote an article about this boy who struggled, you know, from a underprivileged background, this yeah. poor community, but he passed flying colors. There was a lady who got in touch with us who offered to fund his studies. He wanted to study medicine. He mm. got in, got accepted because oh, he had wow. applied. And he's at Wits as a student. Mm. And that made me beam with pride because first of all the agency that he had to think ahead Mm. and not throw a pity party to think ahead okay I want to study so I want to do medicine I need to get my grades to this I get the grades I get accepted the initiative to send News24 the biggest site this email saying can you help me me answering the call and this lady reading this article and deciding to invest her money in this young boy Mm. and now he's going to achieve his dreams that's absolutely amazing and a story that you don't often hear people try and it's like as you're saying it's like the things or life just happen to line up perfectly yeah anyone else could have taken the call and gone i'm sorry we don't do that we don't write those stories it's also like the heart behind the journalist i think Again, the context of your background, where you're from, how yeah. you see things, what's your viewpoint? Are you male? Exactly. Are you female? What is your racial history, exactly. history and your background? That all plays a part in the kind of journalist that you are and the kind That's of true. stories you tell That's very and true. from whose viewpoint. That's yeah. very true because I'm not going to be the same as you. I'm not, looking, I'm not going to look at the same story the same as you are. Yeah. And that's what makes it beautiful. It's just like being a South African. I'm not the same as the person next to me. I don't even speak the same language as you. But our backgrounds determine how the outcome is going to be. Mm. And the be- there's beauty in diversity. So yeah. I always encourage people to live out who they are. You don't have to be ignorant the whole point of us being in a South Africa, a rainbow nation, is to acknowledge each other and know that we're not the same and embrace it, not try to suppress the next one that's not like you. But do you think that we've also become so desensitized to certain stories? And that's the other issue, is if you hear the same story every single day, like even if you think about Nigeria, there was a time where there were so many, many Boko Haram attacks. attacks. Yeah. There were kidnappings, like yeah. almost every day. And in the beginning, it was on the news, yeah. and then suddenly it was gone. Or you hear about a third world country mm. that has a flood, mm. or has an earthquake, or something happens in a third world country, and no media prominence is given to it. But something happens in the first world country, a tiny little thing, yeah. you know, a man. 
I don't know, jumps in front of a train and suddenly it's on every single newsstand. It's like, yeah, the waiting is so incorrect. It's like, how do you give prominence to one life or one story or one yeah. country over another? So for me as a journalist, first and foremost, it's a big problem because just working in the Western Cape, just as a small example, mm. The amount of children who get killed in the crossfires of gang wars in this province is unbelievable. And I can't tell you that a week or a month doesn't go by mm -hmm. when a child, baby, toddler, school going, is caught in a crossfire of a gang war, that it be, you lose count. Mm -hmm. It's that dire. It's that real. Mm. It's that deep. Mm. And this is just one province in this country. Sure. The level of murder and shootings in the Western Cape is unreal. Um, but I also think mentally, and it's got a lot to do with the mind of the oppressed. And um, I don't know if you read Steve Biko and Franz Fanon, they talk about it a lot about how you have to unlearn the oppression that, you know, that was forced upon you. And not everybody goes through that process of unlearning it. And no one has said that the process of unlearning that oppression is easy because you need to take time and be by yourself and think about the trauma that you've gone through and your people have gone through and the legacy that you've, you've adopted. But I'm only mentioning it because I feel like as an oppressed nation and, and as an oppressed continent, that narrative hasn't changed even in modern politics and current, um, the current time that we live in. We still carry the legacy of oppression and the fact that we're at the bottom of the pyramid. And when you have images constantly reminding you, not only images, but when societies constantly has people of color at the bottom of the barrel, it's difficult for you to feel that you deserve to be at the top of the barrel. So when a foreign European student is kidnapped in Cape Town, it makes news. But when a colored girl who is walking home is kidnapped, it also makes news, but it won't hold the same amount of spotlight. And for some reason, it's supposed to have more impact if it's someone from a European country. Mm. But why? Mm. But I think that's something you cannot say in a simple and easy. You can't give a simple and easy answer for it. Because yeah. years and years, hundreds of years of oppression from colonialism... And then you've got the apartheid regime, which only ended not so long ago. Mm. I mean, it's really not that long ago. And the people who suffered during that time are still alive. Mm. And they raised the kids who are now us as young adults. Mm. And so we're carrying their hurt trauma baggage. But we're also carrying the future of a different tomorrow and trying to raise kids who know nothing about the ugliness. Mm. We want to educate them, but we don't want them to carry the burden. Mm. It's very tricky, and I think it's too early for us to expect ourselves to get over it and move on. But I think a major part of why we look down on ourselves 
is because that's all we've ever seen and that we've inherited that. Mm. That's so interesting what you said about oppression. So I guess oppression on different levels. There's yeah. oppression of being a person of color, mm. oppression of being a female. Mm-hmm. But you said something very interesting, the oppression of a nation. Mm. And that's like your global view of who you are. Because I've even, color completely aside, I've been in situations where an American person or a British person will say something, the exact same thing that Mm. someone else has just said from from any African country or South Africa because we're here. But because it sounds fancier and larnier in there. And more educated. And more educated. Exactly. People are like, oh my gosh, that's it. But the way you sound has no bearing on the quality or the worth or the value that yeah. you bring but it's in the your same, communication. Even, even, even here, it doesn't even, we don't even need to take it out of the country because everything is based on money. I think if you think about a child who goes through a private school versus a, a government school versus a rural school, they both, they all, all three have the same um, intelligence. Um, the person who get the most attention is probably going to be the primary school private school child because they're more eloquent so (laughs) it seems that a profession is not a profession or an industry is not an industry unless it has been on a tv show (laughs) (laughs) if you think about it there's suits Mm -hmm. okay there was ellie mcbeal all legal there's Mm -hmm. Grey's anatomy doctoring Uh They're Dr. and Wild. Um, there was private practice, there's ER, all medical. Yes. There is The Office, which is about being in an office. Yeah. Can you think of any TV shows that were based on... Um, the newsroom. The, news, oh, the newsroom. What did you think about the newsroom? I loved it. Okay. So I love that producer lady. I forgot her name. The British... Yes, 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 I yes. I loved her. Okay. I also saw a bit of myself in the blonde girl who yes. came in as an internal super eager mm-hmm. like doing everything that needed to be done working herself to the bone mm-hmm. um until she went to africa and then <laughs> she changed she and changed. africa changes you <laughs> once you go to africa you never forget no you never At least you forget and then i saw myself i also saw a bit of myself in the is she japanese the one who did the Ecos, yes, Ecos yes, yes. News. Yes. Very driven. Yes. Um, you know, ambitious. She wants to get to a certain point in her career. Yeah. Wants a name to be recognized for quality. Mm. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed the newsroom mm. a lot. I completely loved the newsroom I as loved well. It. I started, when I started at Forbes. Yeah. With you. Was it starting? <laughs> it was just starting. Really? And what I was so excited about was not only that there was a TV show about our careers, <laughs> is that I could go home and watch it. And even that like intro that dun 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 Oh my word, you even remember the intro. Guys, I was there oh every my night word. <laughs> It was done by Aaron Sorkins, oh and who also did like the waist wing. But yeah. I thought it was phenomenal, phenomenally done the way that you have a TV show that goes back in time and retells mm. the story. Because I think a lot of people don't know what goes in no. the newsroom. No. And yes, TV shows are fabricated and they yes. make it and they embellish a lot of things. But exactly. the core of what the stories are, like waiting for uh, new, the newswire to come in, mm-hmm. waiting for the story and breaking news, mm-hmm. that stuff is real. And on air panic. On air panic that that 
<laughs> 30 seconds before live. Mm-hmm. 10 seconds before and live. And the whisper in that year. Four, three, two, <laughs> and you're on and you're like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> or like the, the, the teleprompter freezing. All of these things people don't see. They don't see they it. They don't see they it. They don't see it. They don't see it. And that's why it's so important for people to always know who the credible sources are. Mm. Because it goes into so much effort. There's so much effort put into that person. I mean... If you just think of Anderson Cooper. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't know who Christian Amanpo is? Mm, mm, mm. Those are people who have worked to make their names yeah. known for quality journalism. Yeah. And then for a head of state to call him fake. Mm. You know? That's crazy. It doesn't make sense. Um, it's one thing to pursue a story about the Gupta family and their relationship with our president. And then he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. The Gupta people, I've never been to their house. We expect that because everyone who is always on the wrong side of the story will deny their involvement in something. Mm. Mm. But to rubbish our mere existence as being fake, mm. knowing that that person has a following, to know that those words that he's spewing yeah. will land with some people. Yes, and they'll, and they'll believe him yes. because that's their leader. Yes, and it's so dangerous. Mm, mm. So that's why we're always um, trying to work to inform the masses. Like, yes. This is the difference between fake and real. Yeah. The other problem that we need to acknowledge about this war against disinformation is the fact that advertisers don't really um, see the difference between us. We need to acknowledge the fact that advertising agencies Mm. and marketing agencies just go where the clicks are. Mm. And we're currently fighting a big war on trying to make them aware that they are feeding into this cycle yeah. By giving these people their money. Yes. Who are spreading the disinformation. Yeah. But they don't care at the end of the day. They don't. Then that's the problem. That's why now the they're calling through is more important to you is. than credible And they're calling things sources. now advertorials. Yeah. Paid for advertising yeah. that looks like content yeah. that can appear in a magazine or a newspaper or on TV hmm. and or on radio, any media platform. Exactly. And it looks real and authentic, but you don't but you remember know. that they have a, an agenda, a political agenda sometimes yeah. or any agenda, corporate agenda it's behind it. It's very that. dangerous. It's, it's very tricky. But at the end tricky. of the day, the issue with media is we don't have money being pumped into the media industry the way yeah. other industries have money being pumped into them. So if yeah. you want your news industry, your television broadcasting network, whatever it is, your newspaper to survive, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but you are going to take the advertorial. You are going to take, you exactly. are gonna take the advertising. And you have to branch out. You have mm. to branch out. One thing that I, I can I can say about us um, as News24, we've tried to expand ourselves. So we were trying to not go where the trends are, but branch out in terms of our offering. Kind of go where your audience is already. Yeah, um, or find or, or cater to more than one audience. Yeah. So, Paul, uh-huh. you have legitimately just crossed over into the three zero three zero in the house three zero in the house three zero the t so tell me reflecting on your 20s uh-huh what are the reflections of your 20s how was it what was the experience lots of questioning um lots of daydreaming 
lots of drive and ambition, which still exists. But I think majority of my 20s was me trying to figure myself out, figure out who Mpo is, what drives her, what does she like, what is she into, and what should she keep doing, and what should she let go of. Mm. Yeah. And what did you decide to let go of from your 20s? I think I've um, spent enough time, a lot of time, doing a lot of introspection, sparked by my breakup, which led me to understand myself a little bit more and to see that people's opinions or people's expectations were not going to be my expectations of myself. So everybody has an an idea of who you are based on what you present to them, whether it's your lover or your siblings or your friends or Mm -hmm. your colleagues. But you know who you are when you go home and you take off all your clothes and you're in your bed and you're like, you're most naked. Yeah. And you know what works and what doesn't because you go through trial and error, through different things Mm -hmm. um, that you explore. And I've decided to let go of a little bit, not completely, but I'm slowly letting go of working to be the acceptable version or the polite version or the palatable version of what society would like me to be. And I'm working towards feeding my soul and then letting that reflect to the world. And Mpo, did you ever experience or go through the quarter life crisis? What's that? Oh my goodness, you're kidding. What's the quarter life crisis? You don't know what the quarter life crisis no. is? No. <laughs> <laughs> my way. What's okay. the quarter life crisis? <laughs> the quarter life crisis? 25. I don't even know where to start. It is. It's like when you're like at 25. So plus minus 25. Quarter life crisis is, is essentially that crisis when you hit, the, the crisis that you hit at plus minus 25. Uh-huh. You're questioning things about your life, where something happened, spurred on by something. So either it's that moment in life where you're like, boom, crap. But it wouldn't be twenty around 25, but I think maybe 27, 28. Mm. And now I'm a little bit more stronger. But being single comes with this you have to be mentally strong to be a single successful hardworking woman because people always say oh you're so pretty why don't you have a boyfriend so that's the only sort of but I wouldn't call it a crisis mm. I just it's just a, a period I'm 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 in yeah. I've been single for about three or four years now people think that that's what should complete you it's a nice add-on it is it's a nice additional but like being coupled isn't everything yeah and sometimes what i was telling you earlier when you see our friends who have kids or who are married and you think would that be me it wouldn't because the choices i made got me here 
Yeah. If I was with a partner, maybe I wouldn't have applied for a job in another province. Mm, if mm. I had a partner, maybe I wouldn't think about moving abroad if something came up. Yeah. If I had a child, maybe I wouldn't think about moving abroad. As soon as people realize that the more people should give us a break, um, I don't think it's a death sentence to be single and successful. What advice do you have for people in their 20s in general right now? Listen to your inner voice. Mm-hmm. Never ignore your inner voice. Mm-hmm. I think that that inner voice is God. Yeah. And there's a lot of confusion and questioning and figuring yourself out in your 20s because you don't really know, but you're trying to see. You know what you like. You're figuring out what you don't like. You're going to things, trying things out. But that inner voice will tell you, mm, I don't think we should be here. Or, oh, I like this. This feels good. So always listen to your inner voice. And when it says nah, then step out. And if it says yes, let's try a little bit more. Let's put a little bit more effort into this. Then put a little bit more effort. Because that's Mm. what will end up leading you to who you are. Mm. Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on to today's show and sharing your knowledge on journalism and the fundamentals of journalism practice. I cannot thank you enough. And there is no doubt that people who listened to today's episode felt enlightened because I certainly did. And I just wanted to say, I had a moment when you spoke about the oppressed nation. I think that sometimes we see ourselves as an oppressed city or nation or country or continent and the presence of people from other places around the world. And by them just being in a room, we automatically cower away because we're like, you're better than me and we should never see ourselves as a priest at all so it's about changing the mind dynamics of how people see themselves and how countries and nations see themselves the other beautiful moment that i loved was when you spoke about how you are throwing away or getting rid of how you feel society thinks you should act and you're kind of reclothing yourself with how you want to see yourself and how you feel you've just decided to choose yourself and that is absolutely beautiful So to all the listeners out there, especially to our new listeners on iTunes, I look forward to connecting with you again next time, same time, same place, right here on In My Twenties. In my twenties, in my twenties, how old are you? I am I. Stand by camera one, am. Stand by camera two, in. Stand by camera three, my twenties. And we are live.